0: in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now
1: the news you want some bad news ed uh is it updating or is no, it, no 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 it's lights fc sucking. yeah
0: yeah. yeah lights, I see this.
1: Lights FC, uh, they lost to Tampa Bay six to one over the weekend. Tampa Bay's really good. They are uh second place in the East. Uh, I think they've been to back-to-back USL Cops, even though one of them got canceled because of COVID. Um, but lights have now lost the last two games five nothing and six to one. Uh despite all that, they are still in the playoffs. In the last playoff spot. They are one point ahead of LA Galaxy 2 for the final playoff spot in the West. Uh, there's a four point gap between lights and Oakland who would be two two teams away. So they are still holding on to a playoff spot. There are six games left in the season and the final game of the season lights play on the road against LA Galaxy two. potentially that could be a play in game for the playoffs to end the season. But they went from, they were the six seed, they might have even been the five seed at one point, cruising to being absolutely horrible recently. They've been outscored by 10 in their last two games. Brutal. They I'm going to have- show
0: some positivity towards the Scarf, man. I think they get in.
1: They've won one of their last eight games. Yes, I think they get in. <laughs> I love the confidence. <laughs>
0: I think they get in because Danny has bet it.
1: Uh, I hope they get in, but they are playing very, very poorly nowadays. Um, their, their goal difference in the last two games is minus 10. Their goal difference on the season is minus 11. So they were, you know, a dead average so team. So when they lose, they lose. Oh, yeah. It's gotten out of hand recently. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty bad. So they did start winning some games. They win. Pro- I mean, in all honesty, if they win like three of the last six games, they're, they're probably, probably going to be in. It right like LA Galaxy 2 aren't going to win all their games or anything like that. So if they win like three of the last six, they're probably in. But again, they've won one of the last eight. So suddenly winning three of the last six might be a tall task. I believe in you, last I believe in you. You're <laughs> going to get it done. Uh, Hunter Brown threw six shutout innings in his major league debut. The Astros number one prospect made his first start six innings, three hits, one walk, no earned runs, five strikeouts uh the Houston Astros have the best starting pitching depth in baseball they call up their number one prospect and he is also awesome I'm very excited we got too many pitchers Ed too many I know oh
0: believe me I know I know what you <laughs> I know what you have I need I need about three of them and another score
1: Nah, the Dodgers have the best starting ERA in baseball calm down over there Hunter Brown and by the way uh Hunter Brown's first slider as a major leaguer was 95 miles an hour the only starter to throw a slider faster than that this year is Jacob DeCrom. Really? Yeah.
0: That was his first pitch? First first slider. First
1: pitch was a fastball. First slider was a 95 mile an hour slider.
0: Does he make the rotation?
1: I'm going to say no as of right now. Does Dusty Baker know who he is? He does now. Um, But Hunter Brown throws, his fastball is 96 to 99. His Slider well, the slider's 95. Hit 95. Normally, it's not that fast, apparently, but it hit 95. And his best out pitch is neither one of those. It's his curveball. Um, his stuff says that he should be the number one pitcher on the team. Uh, he has had some control stuff in the minors, though. Uh, he only walked one guy last night, which is probably the best thing. I'm going to say no as of now because the Astros legitimately have seven potential options to pitch in the postseason. right? And you only need four starters. But there is a chance he is so good in three or four starts in the season that they feel like they have to put him in. But I think he's probably coming out of the bullpen as like a hey, the starter went five. So he's on he's on the playoff. He's one of the thirteen. As long yeah, as long as he doesn't get blown up in a couple more appearances here, he's going to be on the postseason roster because he is his stuff is too good not to be. It's it's unbelievable. Like it again. 96 to 99 fastball through a slider at 95 and his best pitch is not one of those two pitches he's great i'm very excited for this kid and by the way did you see uh his favorite pitcher growing up was justin verlander i didn't see that and uh his he has the same exact windup delivery as justin verlander
0: so you just mimicked them yeah
1: oh the mechanics are exactly verlander
0: boy your team is just rolling <laughs> along
1: they're going to win the World Series without giving up a run in the postseason. It's going to be great. No, they're
0: going to win the World Series. <laughs> I totally agree with that. You know that. I've agreed with you the entire time because of the pitching. They, they're they going to win the World Series. Their pitching's too good. They're pitching. You got six or seven starters who yeah. are legitimate. You got six or seven starters who most would be better than Dodgers number one. Not I don't know if they'd all be because Urias would be number one and Urias is pretty good. Yeah. But they have six or seven starters that would be better They'd be at least either better than Urias or the number two.
1: Yeah. The the Astros. Literally. Well, not counting the rookie Hunter Brown. We'll see how he does beyond one start. But their sixth best starter is Luis Garcia. He's got a 399 ERA this year. He would probably be in the rotation for just about everybody except maybe the Braves. postseason Season right. rotation. Right. Yeah. Right absolutely. Now. Braves have really good starting pitching, too. So and he's unless there's injuries, Luis Garcia is not in the rotation. Luis Garcia might not make the postseason roster. Right, especially if this Hunter Brown kid is going to be this good. Luis Garcia, sub-4 ERA, might not even make the postseason roster. It's a great problem to have. Next question. Uh, LSU lost to Florida State in one of the greatest ways you've probably ever seen. Uh, Down seven, LSU fumbled a punt. Florida State gets the ball inside the 10. Florida State then fumbled the ball away on the one-yard line. The pitch. What are you pitching for? That was a horrible call. LSU then drove 99 yards scored with no time left. There probably should have actually been no time left before they snapped it down one. Here comes the extra point team on to tie the game with no time on the clock. And the extra point was blocked. Florida state blocked two kicks in that game. And looking at screenshots, they came through the same hole in the offensive line both times. Yeah. Like, And Brian Kelly after said, well, we made some changes during the game, but that apparently didn't work. Uh, Phenomenally hilarious way to win the season, and by the way, I want to see that game in the college football playoffs yes. because that'd be hilarious if that ha- Like, it's great when that happens in the regular season. Imagine that being like. I want a, s- a visiting team to do that on yeah. someone's home field. Imagine that being the seven ten matchup in the college football playoff. That'd Some home great. team goes ninety nine yards.
0: Its fans are like ridiculously <laughs> going insane, and the visiting team blocks the extra point and runs <laughs> off the field.
1: Chaos! It's what we're all here for. Great question. Mitch Trubisky is listed as the Steelers' starting quarterback. He was named a team captain as well. Mason Rudolph is listed as the number two. Kenny Pickett is the third string quarterback according to the Steelers' depth chart. So is
0: Kenny Pickett not as good as what maybe we saw in the preseason and he's not ready yet?
1: Uh, I think the Steelers are morons. That's what I think is happening. You
0: said the picket should start.
1: Yes, because you are. It is not a Packers situation where you have Aaron Rodgers ahead of a first round pick. It is not even a 49ers situation where you had Jimmy Garoppolo ahead of Trey Lance ahead of a first round pick. We're talking about Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Right. We know what those guys are. Not very good. Where is Kenny Pickett? Right. Where is he? there's to me? There's very little chance Kenny Pickett is substantially worse than Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky. I just cannot imagine him being that much worse than those two. Meanwhile, his ceiling is significantly higher sure. than those You're two. Just starting out. And as we've talked about with rookie quarterbacks, because of the rookie quarterback contracts, and the contracts. you want to know yeah. what you have in that guy as soon yeah. as possible. And delaying him starting means you don't get that information because if
0: you don't ha- if you don't have what you think in him and the next draft comes up and there's you know from what we're hearing 10 first round quarterbacks then you you need to be willing you to, need to, take to be one. willing to take one
1: right and if they play if like if Trubisky plays the whole year and Pickett's on the sideline the whole year what are they doing right next year in the draft comes around are you sticking with Mitch Trubisky again or are you turning to Kenny Pickett at some point because here's the other problem for this if you're the Steelers that team is not going to be so bad that Trubisky gets benched because they start off one and five, right? That team's going to be competent enough. They're going to be, I assume they'll be below 500, but that team's going to be good enough that they're not going to fall off the face of the earth. So Trubisky's probably going to have a chance to continue to play because they're not going to be losing and they're probably not going to be blown out very often, which means it's even less likely you see Pickett uh, this season. I have to imagine he does play at some point because eventually Trubisky will lose him a game. But I just I to me I don't understand the logic in starting Trubisky because he puts you at a ceiling of like nine and eight. Whereas Pickett, if he's good, your ceiling is division winner. If he's not good, okay. Yeah, you suck and you draft a quarterback next Trubisky year.
0: Trubisky was also named a team captain. That's strange. I mean, guys looking around saying, Is he really gonna be the quarterback the rest of the year?
1: Well, did the team I don't know. Did the Steelers have their players vote on it? Players vote, yeah, always. Players so always vote. Maybe that's what maybe Tomlin was forced to name Trubisky as starter because all the players like him. And they voted
0: him captain. Yeah,
1: they're like, ah, this picket guy sucks, Tomlin. You can't start him. Give us Trubisky instead. We want to go 9 and 8.
0: Uh, uh, we'll see.
1: Zach Wilson could start week one for the Jets. Knee surgery after an injury in a preseason game on August 16th. He worked out for the first time on Monday. Joe Flacco would start if Zach Wilson Dang, is unable Joe to go Flacco. against the Ravens. Still around. Still around.
0: Still playing. Yes. That's amazing. How old, Joe Flacco pushing 40?
1: Uh, I'm going to guess he's Danny? 37 before we get Danny looking it up here. 37 sounds right. What do we got, Danny? How old is Joe Flacco? 37. He pointed at me, so I'm guessing 37 is the right answer. Yeah. Yes, he was born January of 85, so he, right. he'll be 38 in January once the playoffs roll around. He'll wow. be 38 I even thought he was playoffs. even
0: older than that he's been around so long. Yeah.
1: He started young with Baltimore, so uh, Joe Flacco, still probably starting, but Zach Wilson. I will say the Zach Wilson injury was the non-contact. Everybody thought, oh, boy, that's probably bad. You
0: thought like, oh, ACL, he's out for the year.
1: So just the idea that he worked out yesterday and could be back for week one, if you go back to when everybody saw that injury, is a very good sign for Wilson and the Jets. And even though I don't think he's going to be any good or they're going to be any good, I'd still much rather see him play for the Jets than Joe Flacco. Yes. Kaylon told me a couple of days ago, I, "You gotta get rid of this echo. <laughs> I can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever." <laughs> the Cowboys are signing 40-year-old Jason Peters, an offensive tackle who started 15 games for the Bears last season. Longtime Eagle before that, uh, his pro football focus great because I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I know how good offensive linemen are but pro football focus does 77.5 last year, which is good. He has posted a PFF grade of over 70 in all, but one season in his career. And he's been playing since 2006. Do you believe we will look at week one, week two of the season, whenever, and think that the Raiders should have signed Jason Peters? Oh, it's a good question.
0: Well, they should have signed somebody (laughs) spent no money to speak of on the offensive line, 40 years old,
1: it's old. It's, it's old tough, for an offensive an old, lineman. Right? That's an old like, offensive lineman. I, here's the thing. I can understand if you're the Raiders and you look out there and you say 40-year-old Jason Peters and saying, no, thank you. I can understand that. Now, however, he was good last year at 39. And if, if again, using pro football focus grades, if we get into week eight of the season and Peters has played six games or something for the Cowboys and he's it's, his pro football focus grade is 75 and we're talking about well, Lester Cotton's not very good. Thayer Munford hasn't worked out. Then we're absolutely going to look back and say, why didn't you at least try Jermaine Jason Peters? Jermaine Elmanor. Yeah. like Like if, if those guys aren't performing well, we're going to look back and say, well, why didn't you sign Jason Peters for $5 and give him a shot? Because clearly Jermaine elementor is not going to work out very well for you or whoever the Raiders tried there.
0: I mean, he's been good. You have down here, he's posted a PFF grade of 70 in all but one season, yeah. so he's...
1: Very consistent throughout his career. But again, he's 40. Is he going to hold up for a whole season? Whatever. But given the state of the Raiders and it's Thayer, Munford, or Jermaine Eliminor, I feel like we are going to look back and say you should have at least given Peters a shot. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some Golden Knights because uh, they might have another goalie out for the entire season. Back
0: to the Press Box Summer Edition.
1: We have breaking depth chart news Kenny Pickett's now ahead of Mason Rudolph oh, on an updated Steelers fast? depth chart. <laughs> that fast? That Still not the starter, but he moved from three to two on the Steelers depth chart. Ed, there goes my theory out the window. <laughs> after uh, when we went to break, after you left the room, I told Ed I think they're just putting them in order of hand size because Kenny Pickett has the smallest. <laughs> oh, that's right. And Trubisky had. The I biggest. forgot about hand. I only remember hand size in March during the combine. I forgot about hand size. He's like, ah, oh, I'm weirdly double jointed or stuff like that. Okay, hand size is important. Maybe that's the problem. They don't think Kenny Pickett can hold on to the ball. Oh, that's right. He just fumbles all the time. You got uh, TJ Watt coming around in practice, and he just fumbles every <laughs> single day. They're like, oh, we can't put this guy out there. Look at Trubisky. He takes a sack and holds on the ball. He knows what's happening there. Um, so, yeah, so there's your uh, breaking update news. Now, the Golden Knights, we got to, all right, we are going to read deeply into this quote. This is Bruce Cassidy talking to Fox five about Laurent Brossois. He's healing well from his surgery. Again, a guy that is highly motivated to get out there. Whether he joins us at the end of the year or two or three weeks in, we'll see him. What does that mean about Laurent Brossois timeline? The end of the year. When he's, Okay, so that's the first thing to figure out here. When he says end of the year, does he mean end of the calendar year, which would mean he'll be back in December, well, or does that mean end of the year when in the world of sports we use year and season interchangeably and end of the year would mean end of the season? I think he's talking
0: calendar because why would he care if you join him at the end of the season? What right. would that what, 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 that wouldn't make any sense. If he's out for the entire season, you'd say he's out for the entire season.
1: So I would assume, like you, that calendar he means end of the calendar year. Yeah. But I do think there is the slight possibility that he was referring to the season because, hey, he'll be back in Jesus March. the Knights. Right. That too. Um. But what do you make of him saying whether he joins us? Let's just go with the assumption the rest of this segment that it is December. End of the year, meaning December, or in two or three weeks? Like, what do you think Bruce Cassidy's trying to do when he says, hey, he could be back at the end of September or he could be back at the end of December?
0: Covering himself?
1: I guess. Golden Knights finally got to him and said, hey. This is how we do things yes. here?
0: Yes. <laughs> we, we leave
1: everything to speculation. You want them to be more confused yes. after you answer Confuse the question. them
0: as much as you can when it comes to the media. And if you need to talk to them, send out an email and you can talk to them
1: in eight minutes. (laughs) So my main takeaway from that is that there is a possibility that Laurent Brassois is out through December. There is a possibility that Laurent Brassois misses the first, whatever, three months of the season. And then that leads me to two things. Number one, that it would make sense why they traded for Aiden Hill. Because if you're not going to have Brossois for three months, no, you got to go get a goalie. Aiden Hill can be your backup, or maybe he beats Logan Thompson out, or maybe Thompson isn't very good. And Aiden Hill's got to be the guy, whatever. But that's why they traded for Aiden Hill. And the other thing that leads me to, to ask, why on earth did Kelly McCrimmon at the end of August say Laurent Brossois and Logan Thompson were going to be their two goalies for the season? If he might you're be out until me, December. You're asking me to decipher anything
0: said <laughs> over there from the general manager when it comes he, to goalies and did,
1: injuries? He didn't say this back in, like, May. He said it a right. week ago. He,
0: he didn't say this back when the doctor said or could have said Briswa should be fine. Right. Like, he'll be fine. And it went, And then you come along and it gets August, like, well, he's not fine. Right. And rehab hasn't been we, as fast. We, or exactly, he, he
1: had a setback. He said it like seven days yeah. ago that Laurent Rousseau was going to be a part of their goalie tandem for the season, and then he trades for Aiden Hill, and then Bruce Cassidy's like, "Well, end of the year, two or three weeks, who knows? We might see him eventually." Like, I just can't imagine. First off, from a from an NHL organizational standpoint, there's no way they don't know if it's going to be two to three weeks. Or four months?
0: No. If if that's the if that's the truth, get another doctor. Right. Because the doctor should be able to pinpoint it's something better if, than that. If,
1: if rehab goes well, <laughs> this is when you can expect him to be ready. Right. So should be a better gauge than two to three weeks and four months. So they've got to have a better idea than that. And for Cassidy to say, uh, could be end of the year, could be December. That to me implies they think it could be December. Mm-hmm. And obviously you factor in, well, why did they trade for Aiden Hill? Because they think it could be December. And now that part of it makes sense, but the part that doesn't make sense is why the general manager would come out and say, wow. we're perfectly fine with Laurent Brossois and Logan Thompson. Yeah. It's that, that just doesn't make any sense. And it just doesn't...
0: Uh, look, I'm not even going to try to explain some of the stuff that comes <laughs> out uh, over there, uh, specifically from the general manager, but... This is the this is where you get into, do you just do it for the sake of doing it? Who cares? Misleading yeah. people? You could have just said, hey, Brassois' rehab isn't going very well. We might have to sign someone. What's the big deal? No yeah. one's going to question that, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, he's. we thought he'd be fine. These things are tricky. It's a hip injury. Maybe his, his rehab, like you said, his rehab is going slower than we thought. We might have to look into anyone. Six, three or four days later, you sign Aiden Hill. Oh, yeah, he said it could have happened. Instead, they they take this route and it's just nothing's believable.
1: <laughs> it's so the other part here is that Laurent Broussois had hip surgery in May, right? So it, it's not like he just had the surgery. He had it in May. Uh Jeff Merrick at the time reported that he was expected to be ready for training camp. Um so two two questions from that. First off, what's up with the goalies' hips in yeah, Vegas? No, I mean, what are we doing here? Everybody's got hip surgery? Does, does Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill know that they're going to have to have hip surgery no, they soon? Might, they might say no
0: to some of the exercise
1: <laughs> they've got out there. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. We're moving the hips a little yeah. too much. We you know mean, what happened to Laurent and uh, Robin over you here. You want me to do what with my hip? Uh, and then the other part is, is there a potential concern here that the Golden Knights are having injuries that linger longer than expected? Because we've already had the bizarre scenario of Robin Leonard. Coming back to Vegas and needing hip surgery after he had shoulder surgery a month before and being out for the season when nobody expected that. We now have Mark Stone maybe, maybe not missing training camp when he was initially projected to be back for the start of training camp. And now Laurent Brossois is going from expected to be ready for training camp to... Maybe the end of the calendar year. Right. Like, is there? Is there... Some, I mean, should we be looking at this saying... What exactly is going on yeah. here? Why is everybody being out longer than expected? Yeah.
0: And well, again though, are they being are they being disingenuous when they say what the injuries are and how long yeah. they're going to be out? Because you can, I don't know if you take them for their word, but you you just you have to take them for what they
1: say. I mean, when okay, I mean, when, so take the Mark Stone one. When Kelly McCrimmon, when he he came out at the end of the season. And it was Mark Stone's likely going to have back surgery. It was like two days before he had back surgery, so I'm sure they knew it. But Mark Stone's going to have back surgery. We expect him to be ready for the start of training camp. When the general manager says that, you don't believe he's lying. When the general manager says he's having a surgery and we accept him back for training camp, then you take what he's saying as, oh, yeah, they expect him back for training camp. And then when the general manager says... Well, our two goalies this year are going to be Logan Thompson and Laurent Bressois We're fine with that combination. Yeah.
0: You then, take them, it's like, okay, then Brassois is going to be healthy enough to right. play. Like,
1: when they say full declarative things, right? This isn't a, hey... This might happen, right? It's not like it's okay. One of the best things is like leading up to a trade deadline and you ask a contender, Hey, you know, are you interested in trading for this? And they'll give you some, well, we're interested in improving our team everywhere. Right. right. And they have a vague answer about something that they don't want to give away. These are declarative statements about when guys are going to return or who they expect to be playing. And somehow they're all question marks when they say them as declarative statements. Like when a GM says something declarative, you, you tend to believe them, but we've gotten to a point where, every time McCrimmon says something, we shouldn't believe it? Like, is that, I mean, is that fair to say? Like, if he came out today and said, hey, the first line's going to be these three players, would we believe him, or would we just be like, ah, no, probably not?
0: I no, I don't know if Cassidy'd believe him. <laughs> like, hold on a second here. Don't I have a say in
1: this? <laughs> All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. And the handoff will go to Shipley and into the end zone goes Shipley left side for six. Great blocking left side.
2: Nick Fadden. Looks back of the end zone. Now rolls right side. Going to throw back of the end zone. Caught
1: touchdown. Bo Collins, ex high school teammate to high school teammate. There, the LA connection for six, and it's 13-0 Clemson. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at 4Vertz. verts right, Charles, um, is Stetson Bennett now good and not just kind of along for the ride with the best roster in college football?
2: Um, I mean, he's been there since he, he's been playing college football I should say, since 2017, so I would hope one of these years you could kind of figure it out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think to me it's just like a you do something enough times you, you you'll start to get good at. And I think that maybe that's where that's is because I don't know. I thought that that was pretty easily the best game i would ever seen him play. Uh, not just in terms of like just doing what Georgia asked to do in terms of running the offense, but he was also like a pretty, pretty special playmaker for them. you know, on that, uh, I think the second Latin McConkey touchdown, we evaded a couple of tackles in the backfield for a sack, And then, uh, ended up throwing for a touchdown, I think uh, you're really starting to see him grow, at least into somewhat for playmaker. He, he's always been kinda interesting because uh, he's always been a really good athlete but <laughs> but the throwing hasn't excuse me, the throwing hasn't quite been there and uh, this weekend he was making some throws. Uh,
0: given what they lost, were you even were you even surprised at how good they looked?
2: Um, I was surprised they only gave him three points. I thought that, you know, some of the young guys on defense uh, you know, in, in their first college football action Maybe this would be a, a pretty tough task for them facing another highly ranked team, but you know they they smothered them. I, and you, they're getting contributions from freshmen. They had a uh, two two fast fast-star freshmen starting Mal- Malachi Starks, who made a crazy interception. Then mm-hmm. Michael Williams starting on the defensive line. So it it, 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 it to me that uh, that game was like you know me and my friends we joke around is like. Alabama and Ohio State being like the Death Star programs where basically every year you know they're just going to be running people off the floor. And it feels like now, like after that championship game, plus that that game against Oregon uh, this past weekend, it feels like Georgia has really entered that tier of like, yeah, we're on that Bama level now. So uh, I I would be stunned if it wasn't another Bama-Georgia SEC championship game this year.
1: Are you... In favor of the college football playoff expanding, or do you look at it saying, eh, there's only like three Death Star programs, so we don't really need five through twelve added to this playoff."
2: I mean, my stance has always been like, (laughs) "Are there ever even four teams that are like actually actually have a chance to win the championship in any given year? Like, is is four even too big? Sometimes, and I know that like you just you have to have four basically just for you know the sake of the championship, but I." you know, I, somebody did like the what it would be last year if they reseeded it according to uh, the new rules, and like one of the first round matchups or two of the first round matchups was almost Ohio State, Michigan State. I mean, come on, like they 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 beat Michigan State by forty points in the first half last year, and then the Georgia versus Pittsburgh. Like I I like maybe Kenny Pickett could figure something out against that defense, but that seems like that would be a bloodbath to me. To me, like the biggest, uh, my my I guess. Part of my issue with college football is, like, you have these teams at the top. You know, let's call it Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. And then there's just such a drop-off in terms of talent. Like, that's why you see those teams up there uh, every, single, every single year. You know, I think it'll be cool just to see, you know, what an expanded playoff would look like. But, you know, I'm not sure how much this is actually going to change, like, the final result that we get. Because uh, once you start really looking at, like, the talent differences in between, you uh, these teams and really where all the four and five-star teams are going, it's, it's mainly like those four schools. So uh, I I, I am, you know, hesitant to get, like, too excited about it. But, hey, you know, if, if more teams are going to get in, uh, I think maybe they got to do some things and, and shorten the schedule because, you know, you're really talking about a lot of at that point. But it's going to generate a lot of money. I think that's the most important part for them at least.
0: Speaking of which, whether the breaking news is correct or not, uh Kenny Pickett might be number two instead of number three. Are you surprised he's not number
2: one? Uh, no, I, I, I've, I, I did really got the sense that he was, you know, going to serve Mr. Biscay for, uh, the starting spot as a quarterback. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that like, you know, they really kind of did make him battle for that number two spot, uh, with Mason Rudolph. And I guess they saw just enough to give him the nod, or maybe it's the first round status, but, uh, yeah, I, I I'm interested to see how long the leash on Trubisky is gonna be because I I would kind of be inclined to play picket just when you look at kind of like what kind of prospect he is. He's a little older than me, played in college for five years. Uh, you know, it's not like he's one of these guys that has like crazy, crazy physical upside. So I don't know, I would, I would be tempted just to get the ball rolling there, just to see what we have. Uh and then, you know, if you need to pivot in future years, I think just getting the start gives you more information about that because we still have some dudes on defense. I mean, T.J. Watt uh, looks awesome again. They just re-signed Mika Fitzpatrick. So, like, they have they have pieces on defense to kind of get this thing turned around pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, I, I would be inclined to see what Pickett has on the pick right now.
1: Is there an NFL team that is uh, expected to be good that you think is actually going
2: to suck? Hmm. Team that's going to be – that's supposed to be good that might actually stink. Um – Hmm. I, I I don't know. I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Like I I feel like I don't really have like that many controversial takes this year. Uh, in terms of like who I think is going to be good and who I think is going to be bad. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think that maybe I, I guess like it's like a split. They are like underrated. I think the Seahawks are a little bit underrated just in terms of like the talent they have on the roster now. Like I don't think they're they're not as bad as like your standard team that's tearing it down in rebuilding. Uh, but in terms of, like, on the flip side, actually, no, I do have an answer for you. 49ers. I think that they're kind of in a dangerous spot. Uh, not, because, not just because, like, Trey Lance is kind of a wild card. You don't really know what you're going to get in this year. But that offensive line, like, outside of Trent Williams, that could be a major problem spot. Uh, for them. You know, Aaron Banks, the guard they took in Notre Dame last year, he had a solid preseason, but, you know, you're going to need to see a lot of production, really, from uh, the interior off of the line, I think, for the 49ers, which is, you know, unproven, to say the least. Uh, and they definitely had some struggle moments uh, in the preseason when they were playing together with some of the projected starters on the interior, but, uh, you know, hopefully Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance's athleticism can help them figure out. But I, I kind of am... I wouldn't say selling stock on the 49ers offense just, you know, a little concerned at some of the personnel issues that they have up front.
1: All right. Which college football game was better? Iowa beating South Dakota State 7 to 3 with no touchdowns or North Carolina beating App State 63 to 61?
2: Um I guess I think I'll go with North Carolina because I I mean I, I we've seen Iowa with some stuff like that before like their score. 14 points with no touchdowns, and they did seven points with no touchdowns this week. Uh, they just kind of like to get you to excruciating standard scores, I guess. Uh, but North Carolina, like, I, I can't recall, like, ever seeing a game that had nine total touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I mean, you're looking at I, – I, I think App State had, like, almost 400 yards of offense – six touchdowns in the fourth quarter which is like if you can do that for an entire game you have one crazy game <laughs> uh, and then and then to get to get that in the fourth quarter and have two chances to t- t- uh, try and win the game at the end uh, that was that was pretty crazy uh, and I'll, also I'm pretty sure the line was uh, one and a half on that game which is pretty nutty to get back uh, to get that line that close with how that game turned out at the end.
1: All right, 40 points in the fourth quarter is better than four points off safeties in the entire second half, I guess. That's what you want to watch. Yeah, yeah. I guess. All right, um, before we let you go, you still haven't announced where you're going?
2: No, not yet. Monday, <laughs> Monday, Monday now. They got pushed back again because uh, the thing background check company, I don't know where they went. All right, uh, but, yeah. Good Monday, luck. Uh,
1: Monday. He's Charles McDonald at four verts on Twitter. We'll maybe find out next week uh, where he is. Yeah. Charles, we appreciate you as always. Yeah. Uh, so there is Charles McDonald on the NFL and some college football. Uh, am I going to, I'm not going to convince anybody to you You're not the getting much love for the two safeties. It's so good though. It's so good. I mean, yes, App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter alone and lost, but come on, seven to three. Nobody can Did move you see Mac Brown afterwards
0: dancing in the locker room? Yeah. Like, you better get your defense right. Nah, he and got a he win. Big win. That's what he said afterwards. You know, we've got some things to clean up. No. What? No. You've got some things to clean up. You just gave up 40 in the fourth quarter.
1: Big win. You don't go to App State. It was at App State, right? You don't go to is that, App State. It was at App State. And uh, expect to not give up 40 oh, in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Come no, on. Who, who wouldn't? That's so what they do to everybody. Coming up next, game four of the WNBA semifinals are tonight. Bird has it. Dribbles down for Seattle. Bird penetrates inside, misses a layup. Stokes comes down with a rebound. The horn is, will sound, and the Las Vegas Aces win game number three of the WNBA semifinals and take a two games to one lead in this series with game four coming up on Tuesday night. And on Tuesday night, the Aces are going to have an opportunity to advance to the WNBA finals with a victory.
0: You're listening to the Press Box Summer
1: Edition. Game four is tonight. You should head out to Parkway Tavern in the district for the Finley Henderson Fan Zone watch party. Aces and Storm at 7 o'clock. DeMond will be down there. And more importantly, if you wear some Aces gear, you will get a free Miller Lite draft. So free beer and watch the Aces at Parkway Tavern in the district. So head down there, get your free beer, say hello to DeMond. Aces are up 2-1. Uh, they won game three in overtime, 110-98. to The Aces and Storm combined to make three field goals in the final three seconds of regulation that got that game into overtime. Aja Wilson made a driving layup, Sue Bird hit a three, and then Jackie Young made a layup at the buzzer to tie the game and send it into overtime. That was one of the best End of game basketball situations. I think I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. Did she travel?
1: Who? Jackie Young?
0: No, oh. Asia Wilson.
1: uh I did not uh slow it down, and I didn't pay okay. enough attention to see if All she right. did. The probably announcers, the but, announcers. The announcers actually said she did. Uh probably, but whatever. You're not calling it. No, travel. I'm just asking. Come on, asking I'd, I'd have to go back it? and watch it. <laughs> whatever. All We're right. not calling it. Travel did you tape it on Asia Wilson? Uh, No, I I actually watched the end of this game on my phone at the Astros-Angels game. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. So I didn't see the first three quarters. So I have zero analysis for you on the first three quarters. But I did see the end of the game uh, because... It was amazing. It was incredible. It was amazing. Um, Blown away by everything there. And here's, I think, one key in this. We saw it at times during the regular season. Becky Hammond is incredible drawing up plays out of timeouts at the end of games. And... Some credit goes to her players, right? She draws up plays for Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, two all WNBA players, right? It helps when you have two of the best scorers in the league there. But the play that got Jackie Young a layup, I love everything about it. So usually when the Aces are in this scenario, they will draw up a play for Kelsey Plum to come off a three and shoot a three, come off a screen and shoot a three, or Asia Wilson to get a back screen going towards the basket. Basket. Sometimes they'll have a play that involves both, but it's usually one of those two. They actually drew a play right before that for Asia Wilson to catch it at the elbow and drive, right? What they did on this last play for Jackie Young was Jackie Young was running down to set a screen for Kelsey Plum. Mm -hmm. Looked like it anyways. Very normal what the Aces do all the time. But instead of Jackie Young setting that screen for Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young faked it and slipped straight to the block, caught a pass and got a layup layup. attempt, right? That is terrific from Becky Hammond to be like, all right, here's what we've always been doing. Here's what we're going to do instead. And it's a direct counter to that because I I'd have to imagine if you're the Seattle storm in that timeout, you're preparing for two things, right? They're going to find a way to get the ball to Asia Wilson near the basket or they're going to find a way for Kelsey Plum to come off a screen and catch and shoot a three. Those are the two things you're preparing for. So that entire timeout, they're probably talking about how do we defend the screen? How do we want to guard Asia Wilson? How do we defend the screen? How do we want to guard Kelsey Plum? And then when the screen doesn't happen and it's Jackie Young cut into the basket, he's completely late. Right. It's the like, defender's oh, late. we were not ready for that at all. And right. here's the thing. I don't blame Seattle for not being ready for that at all either, right. because I of course, it's going to be Asia Wilson or Kelsey Plum. Who else would you go? And and the other part, maybe Chelsea Gray because she's been so. Well, good I was going to say
0: who who's on the floor. Jackie
1: Young would be your fourth option, right? Maybe Chelsea Gray. You'd be like, well, she's been hot tonight, right. so maybe we'll figure out how to guard her as well. Never, never would I wouldn't have spent because the timeout was what sixty seconds or whatever. I wouldn't have spent a single second worrying about where Jackie Young was right. going to be if I was Seattle. So Becky Hammond deserves a. Ton of credit for what she's done, and and it's been all year. I mean, one of the not defining moment. They got the one seed, but one of the sort of worst moments of the season. They drew up a play down two, and Asia Wilson missed a layup. Yes, right. Becky Hammond got Asia Wilson a wide open layup. She just missed it in a game this year. Like it's happened multiple times this year where they've needed a play in the final seconds, and Becky Hammond they've gotten a good shot. Whether it's a plum three, a Wilson layup, or in this case a, a Jackie, Jackie Young, Young layup, they get good shots now. Here's a question for you. Asia Wilson's put up 30 in back-to-back games. But, is Chelsea Gray the most important player in this series?
0: Well, in this series or on their team?
1: In this series.
0: I think she's the most important player.
1: I do too. And it's... I don't want to sound like we're taking uh, Asia Wilson's play for granted because she's put up 30 in back-to-back games. She's been incredible. But... To an extent, I almost look at this series as Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart cancel each other out. They're both terrific. They're the best two players in the WNBA. Even though Brianna Stewart didn't have a good game, she still right. went off in the fourth right. quarter. And the Storm almost won because of Brianna Stewart. But those two almost cancel each other out. And the key is who, gets the, who has the next best player in this series. And the so Aces far, it's it's been Chelsea Gray. She yeah. has 29 in game three. She's averaging 23 points per game in the series. She's shooting 50% from three. Not overall, from three. She's averaging eight assists. The Aces are plus 23 when she is on the floor in this series. For comparison, the Aces are plus 15 with Asia Wilson out there. They're plus 23 when Chelsea Gray is on the court in a three-game series where all the games are close. The, she has been incredible in this series. And when they've had moments where the offense hasn't looked good, Chelsea Gray's bailed them out with shots. Even right. in the game, they lost. Game right. one, Chelsea Gray was bailing them out with jumpers, right? When Asia Wilson didn't play very well. I think she's the most important player in this series. And if they can, t- if they get that one more time, right, where she puts up 25 points again.
0: No, oh, they're in the final. And Darren Waller the can go to the game on Sunday.
1: <laughs> here's, here's the numbers that we talked about earlier. This is from Willie Ramirez. So, Aces games. They have a promotion. Miss twice, get a slice. Other team misses two free throws on one trip to the line. You get free pizza if you're in attendance. Slice of Vegas is the pizza place in Mandalay Bay. According to Slice of Vegas has given away 5,340 slices of pizza this season, including 1,730 in the last two home games. Um, Will they put in here that's over $23,000 worth of pizza? But what's a slice cost? That cannot be right. I, it might. What's a slice cost? That cannot be right. 23000 over the. Does, okay. Did Willie phrase this poorly? $23,000 over the last two days or 23000 total?
0: The <laughs> dad. <laughs>